right, New York Giant fans, what's going on? Welcome back to another edition of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Hit the like button if you haven't already. Comment and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or video drops. Appreciate it coming back. Share this out. Do all the good stuff. Um, five stars on Apple Podcasts as usual. Yeah. So we're going to do things a little differently than we usually do it on the show. I know we kind of did a little bit of a different formula last week. But I can't really keep going with the same formula that I did the first, I don't know, seven weeks of the season. Because I'd be running you guys into the ground with the same nonsense that we've been talking about for the past two or three weeks now. Um, you know, ever since the Jet loss and this loss. I mean, there's things I did expect. There's things I didn't expect. We're going to get into it. Um, the segments I have lined up for you guys, we're going to go over the stats. We're going to go over Daniel Jones, a little bit of the offense, a little bit of the defense, and then really an outlook with Brian Dable, Joe Shea in the locker room because I think that's very much an important part. But, um, you know, if you were a fan coming into this, right, and maybe not even with the Daniel Jones injury, you know, maybe if you were a fan coming into this saying, hey, um, you know, whether we have Jones or whatever the situation may be, Maybe we could still make a playoff run. Maybe go eight and nine or something, right? And beat some good teams, uh, beat some good teams, and beat some bad teams down the stretch and whatnot. Uh, this game probably changed your mind. You probably did a one eighty because there's no way after this game that anyone, and I mean anyone, is thinking that um, the Giants are a playoff team, and also that half of these players are going to be on the roster next year. That's the basic facts of this situation. Um, the New York Giants are a terrible football team. I continue to think that they are the worst team in the NFL by far. You can talk about the Jets. You can talk about the Panthers. You can talk about the Bears. Some teams have built-in excuses like the Cardinals. They're tanking. Um, though they're going to get Kyle, Kyler Murray back, and I'll root for them to win. Um, you know, the Panthers, they have a rookie quarterback, so that's the built-in excuse there for them to be as bad as they are. But the Giants, man, 2-7. and seven, Playoff hopes, everything came crashing down. And it was kind of like that law of science, you know. Um, everything that will go wrong, everything that can go wrong will go wrong. And essentially, that's uh, that's what happened here. That's what happened here, these nine games that the New York Giants have played. Now, how can anything go more wrong than this? Um I guess you could talk about maybe the locker room just turning on Brian Dable, which is something I really don't want to happen. Because to be frank with you guys, I don't want to have to go through another coaching search. I don't. I still think Brian Dable has some good qualities, though I'm going to rip him and question him in a lot of different areas. But, I mean, I mean, how, how can you sit here and say the next eight games mean something? Because it doesn't mean jack shit. But we'll get into that. So let's just go to the stats. Uh, Tommy DeVito, 15 to 20, 175 yards, a passing touchdown to Wandell Robinson and two interceptions. He took six sacks. Daniel Jones, 4 9, 25 yards, two sacks taken. Aiden O'Connell, no passing touchdowns, but 16 to 25, 209 yards. Uh, Saquon Barkley was the lead carrier for the Giants at 16 carries, 90 yards, 5.6 yards per carry. And then Tommy DeVito had four carries for 17 yards. Also, Josh Jacobs was the lead carrier on the side for the 
Las Vegas Raiders. He had 26 carries for 98 yards and two touchdowns. Um, the numbers aren't efficient, but he still got over 95 yards, almost at 100. Uh, Darius Slayton was the lead receiver for the New York Giants at four receptions, 59 yards. Then it was Bellinger, three catches, 43 yards. Wandale at four catches, 35 yards. Then Las Vegas receiving game, I mean, it was pretty much a mixed bag. A lot of guys got the football. Uh, Trey Tucker had two catches for 52 yards. Jacoby Myers had two catches for 38 yards. Devontae Adams had four catches for 34 yards. Hunter Renfro had two catches for 32 yards. Uh, as far as defensive stats go, the Giants had one hit on a quarterback. Only one hit on a quarterback, and that happens to be Micah McFadden, who I thought had a good game. Tackles for a loss go to Bobby O'Karake, two for Micah McFadden, one for Sean Robinson, one for Jod Ward. No sacks at all. Xavier McKinney was the lead tackler with 10. Then it was Banks and O'Karake with 7. The lead tackler for the Vegas Raiders was Robert Spillane. Max Crosby had three tackles for a loss, uh, three sacks and three quarterback hits. Spillane had half a sack and a quarterback hit. Trayvon Merrig had a sack, a tackle for a loss, and a quarterback hit. So did Malcolm Kuntz. Uh, Tyree Wilson had half a sack, so that counts in his career book. He's now got one and a half in his career and one quarterback hit. Um, and Adam Butler also had a sack, a tackle for loss, and a quarterback hit. Same thing with Bilal Nichols. So everyone was just getting on the party. The Giants had their quarterbacks hit nine times and sacked eight times. And then two interceptions. One of them was a airmail downfield, and one of them was a popped-up-in-the-air Darius Slayton interception by Nate Hobbs. The first one was by Amik Robertson. Um, the Giants got a little bit of strength out of the return game, mostly returns to the 20 for Paris Campbell, but he did have a nice 30-yard return. Team stats-wise, let's go into that. Both teams had 15 first downs. Passing first downs, the Giants had 10, the Raiders had 9. Rushing first downs, 5 for the Giants, 6 for the Raiders. Zero first downs for penalties for each side. Giants were 3-12 on third. The Raiders were 5-14. Giants were 1-5 for five on fourth. And the Raiders were 0-for-1. Also, total plays. The Giants had 62, 59 for the Raiders. Giants had 13 drives, 12 for the Raiders. Raiders had 334 yards, 277 for the New York Giants. Yards per play, 4.5 for the Giants and 5.7 for the Raiders. Red zone, Giants were 1-for-1. One one, and the Raiders were 3-for-4. Penalties, Giants had 3 penalties, 8 yards. Raiders had four penalties for 30 yards. Giants had two turnovers, and they led the time possession battle 31-4 to 28-56. <sighs> Excuse me. So let's talk about Daniel Jones. He came in the game, and I expected coming into this game, okay, they're going to run the football a little bit more. The first drive was just very odd. Very odd in so many factors. Like, they didn't even run the football. Which I don't know if Kafka's calling to plays, Dable's calling to plays. I don't know who has the latest conspiracy on that, what the answer is to that. But the fact that they didn't run the ball on the first drive was very weird because the Raiders' defense was 30th in terms of giving up rushing yards per game. And the Giants just decided to throw the whole time. Uh, he airmailed Saquon Barkley. Daniel Jones, and I think the next play was an airmail to Jalen Hyatt. May have been the next drive. 
um, or something happened along those lines to where it was an incomplete pass, and then Daniel Bellinger caught a pass for nine yards, and uh, that was pretty much it. And just something overall, maybe it was a mental block for me, but I saw other people saying, it's like, he does not look 100%. And he was overthrowing Jalen Hyatt like you couldn't believe. Also, the pass to Saquon Barkley, aforementioned. But there was one throw to Hyatt that was like, okay, you know, the cornerback was kind of leading Hyatt into the sideline, so you can kind of make an excuse there. But the second one, I mean, he just airmailed Hyatt. Hyatt could have had a touchdown maybe or just like a big pass play downfield. That didn't happen because Daniel Jones over the, threw the ball. And I, I literally screamed at my TV and I said, what, what is he doing? Like, why did he overthrow that? How could you overthrow that? So me being mad. And at that point, the Giants were already down 7 nothing. We'll talk about the defense because they didn't do a good job. Let's be completely transparent with ourselves. So, I think it's, what, the second or third drive of the game uh, that the Giants... First of all, stop, stop, stop fucking running the tush-push. It's old, it's tiring, and it's a bunch of nonsense. It's a bunch of nonsense. Um... It's just, I don't give two shits whether they spotted it bad or not. Your quarterback, coming off of a fucking neck injury, is not 100% pain-free, and you're doing a tush-push, and the Giants don't even know how to get it right because you're supposed to go low. That's what the plan is. You're supposed to go low, not high, because if you go high, someone's going to knock you off your fucking ass. Okay? So the Giants have not executed that play well all season. And they've gotten people hurt. They got Schmitz hurt doing that. They got Bellinger hurt doing that. So maybe you could make a conspiracy. Hey, listen. You know, uh, maybe Daniel Jones fucked up his knee right there. Maybe he did. But you go to the next drive and Daniel Jones takes a sack. He takes a sack for seven yards. And what happened on that play is he was maneuvering in the pocket. Lawrence Cager gets in his way. And Daniel Jones goes down. And he was slow to get up. So I'm like, here we go. Here we go again. Daniel Jones is hurt. Something's wrong with his knee or his neck. And for some reason, the, the trainers thought he was fine. Now, we all know Daniel Jones is, is a stand-up guy. And he's going to be like, hey, yeah, you know, I could go back in there. You know, I could, I'm fine. He, he, he will try to play through the pain. Well, I don't understand to where the coaching staff and the medical staff don't see and don't really have that block in their head. Hey, this guy's coming off a neck injury. We got to make sure he's okay with this knee or else we're fucked. Well, guess what? The Giants were fucked the next play. When Daniel Jones dropped back, he fell. I'm like, what the hell just happened? His knee buckled. He was walking on it. But I said, you know what? His season's over. His season's over. And even if it was like an ankle sprain or a knee sprain or a sprained MCL or something along those lines, it would not have changed my thoughts on the direction of this season because the direction of this season is in the fucking dumpster right now. Let's, let's be 100%. So I know that there's like tit for tat. That you could blame the coaching staff and the medical staff. And sometimes you can't. Sometimes you blame Daniel Jones. Because hey maybe you shouldn't have stayed in there. Or however you want to throw it. But I mean. 
I wouldn't be throwing the little injury mismanagement tidbits out there if the Giants didn't sit here and overplay Andrew Thomas. If they sat here and, you know, with the adoring neck injury that happened a few weeks ago, possibly rushing Saquon back, even though he's been fine ever since. There's been tidbits this, this season to where the Giants have played their guys in situations that don't mean anything. And I get it from a coaching standpoint. Oh, well, you always play to win and you got to be a competitor and all this. Like, don't you think sometimes you got to just pack it up and say, okay, um, this game no longer means anything to me. Let's throw in somebody else. Right? Don't, don't you think you got to do that sometimes? But it's just so weird with Brian Dable, and we'll get into him in a separate subject. It's like, you know, so many times he doesn't go for it on fourth down. He doesn't go for fourth and inches, doesn't go for fourth and one. And I'm sitting here being called a mouth breather for such opinions that he should go for it. Then again, he leaves Daniel Jones in the game twice, maybe even, <coughs> excuse me, three times, three times before he gets hurt. The Cowboy game, the Seahawk game, the Dolphin game, when he's getting ambushed by opposing edge rushers. And it's not, oh, you know, the edge rushers can't do that or they shouldn't do that or should they shouldn't rack up the stats. Who cares? You're fucking losing. So that's where I can say, yeah, Dable's mismanagement and Ronnie Barnes too. He ain't no, he ain't no scapegoat. Well, actually, no, he ain't no saint in this. That's a better word to put it. He ain't no saint. Even though John Mara loves him for some reason so much, he's on the ring of honor. I mean, again, injuries happen in the NFL and the Giants over the last few years haven't done a good job of escaping them or, you know, planning contingencies just in case they happen. But it just seems very clear that they don't know how to handle injuries. They haven't handled injuries well other than last year over the past few years. It's just straight up friggin' facts. It is. I mean, Daniel Jones played with a, what was it? Something, it was some sort of a neck injury, which is very similar to this one, against the Eagles after he went down in an awkward way. And nobody recognized that. Nobody at all. But moving forward, I want to talk about this before we get to the offense, before we get to the defense, everything else. There is the essential question. Is Daniel Jones's New York Giants career done for? Some people say yes. Some people say no. You want my answer? My answer is yes. My answer is yes. Now, people will say, uh, you know, he's got the contract next year. That's no. Here's the thing. He may be back next year. And I'm not talking as, you know, on the roster because he's going to be on the roster next year, whether it's on IR or, you know, on the active roster. He may start a few games if the rookie quarterback is not going to be ready. That could happen. You know, we've seen that in multiple situations. But, to be fair, the Giants will be drafting a quarterback come April. And if they don't, I'm actually going to be pissed. And, you know, again, like Daniel Jones, stand-up guy, and I've tried, especially last year, to, you know, create the positives around him. But you got to 
look at hell in the face and say, it's time to move on. It was time to move on before the injury. And this was a wake-up call. Not saying that I wanted Daniel Jones to get injured because that's not true. Nobody should get injured like that. Nobody should get injured at all. But in this case, in the NFL, nobody should get injured like that. Because that's disgraceful. That's disgraceful. But they will bring in a quarterback next year. And that's where, obviously, once again, we'll get to the Dable, Shane, and the locker room subjects. Where a lot of these guys are not going to be here next year, including for the phantom stuff, Daniel Jones. Because they will act like he's not here and draft a quarterback and get their chance to get their quote-unquote own guy, even though they re-signed him. And of course, bring on the theories of Mara had involvement or Mara did not have involvement. Personally, me, it doesn't matter anymore because guess what? Uh, you're just crying about spilled milk and uh, Daniel Jones is not going to be the future of this franchise. Yeah, I, It screamed to me so many games ago that that was the case. Unfortunately, this $160 million deal, four years, even though it's set up as a two-year contract, may go down as one of the worst in Giants history. Um, it's sad, the state of affairs, but you have to face facts. You have to face facts um, in terms of all that sort of shit. Daniel Jones is not going to be the quarterback next year, and... I'm not on the fire day will train. I'm not, but you can question him on a lot of these different things. So let's talk about the offense a little bit uh, in this game. Tommy DeVito, he threw 13 more times than he did against the Jets, which, you know, goes to the case that, hey, you know, they got him ready just in case Daniel Jones got injured, which, you know, we wouldn't have a lot of these conversations had Tyrod Taylor not got injured because if Tyrod Taylor didn't get injured, Dalen Jones would not be mysteriously cleared, so on and so forth. Uh, and that's, you know, the rest of history. But, um, yeah, so he threw 13 more times. It's going to be interesting. It's really going to be a Jake from Mike Lennon situation over again because DeVito and Barkley, they're basically the same type of quarterback in their careers at this point, like Fromm was, what, a second, third-year player. Um, DeVito's basically in that position, undrafted rookie. And uh, Barkley and Glennon, both veterans. So whether Brian Dable believes in winning or just playing the rest of the season out, that's up to him. Um, best chance to win, honestly, I don't know. I honestly don't know who, which out of those two guys gives you best chance to win because we have not seen Matt Barkley. Um, I believe... What was it last year? I know he was primarily with Buffalo for a little bit. He was with the Eagles. He was with a couple of the different teams. Um, uh, but as far as that goes, I don't know who's going to be the future, not future quarterback. Well, I don't know who's going to be the future quarterback, but I don't know who's going to start primarily over these next few games. Um, my guess would be give DeVito a look and see if he can come back and compete for a starting job next year. You could do the same with Matt Barkley, but Mar Matt Barkley is a – uh, practice squad signee, which when Daniel Jones goes on IR, whenever they do that, they will probably call Matt Barkley up, and they will probably work out another quarterback. Now, is it going to be someone of a Carson Wentz caliber? Probably not. It's probably going to be some undrafted free agent, maybe a Malik Cunningham or you know some of these other guys that 
you know, you really haven't heard of or, you know, don't hear from anymore. Those type of guys, right? You know, the Shane Buscelli's of the world. So that's the type of quarterback I expect them to bring in just as a body uh, and learn the offense and stuff like that. Um, Saquon Barkley had 90 rushing yards. He had some good runs. I thought this was one of Barkley's best games. Um, he had 16 carries, 5.6 yards per carry, which is pretty good. But unfortunately, it didn't fruit to nothing because this Giants offense is trash. This team is trash. And, you know, the Giants are not a winning football team. And to be honest with you, I couldn't really judge how the O-line played. And, of course, you know, the film will come out when it comes out. But uh, I really couldn't judge, other than Andrew Thomas, how the O-line played. Because DeVito looked very uncomfortable in the pocket. And Max Crosby, you know, did a good job of wrecking the pocket. Um, whether it's, you know... DeVito just holding the ball too long, putting himself in bad positions. I mean, this is Tommy DeVito we're talking about. We're not talking about a, an all-pro quarterback. Um, but, yeah, I just couldn't judge the offense because it's the same shit box that we've been dealing with for the past few years. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm kind of interested to hear as to why they didn't put Randy Bullock in for an extra point. Obviously, um, you know, when the kickoff happened after the touchdown, that's when they put him in. But that's basically basically when the game was over, which is a whole different subject we'll get into. Defense-wise, uh, let's talk about it. Micah McFadden and Bobby Okereke, I thought they were the only guys that showed up. Another guy that showed up, um, Jason Pinnock. I thought he showed up. I thought he played really nicely. There was a play he got injured, but he came back. Um, you know, he's not perfect. He has a, a lot of... Mistakes that he makes, you know, some inconsistencies, but Pinnock is a guy that you keep around here when you're doing your little overhaul. Um, McFadden had the only quarterback hit, and Okereke was playing really well. And it's a shame because I, I kind of talked about this, and this kind of goes into the next subject of the defense, is that the linebackers have to play extra, extra, extra well now that Leo is gone because that takes away a spot on the defensive line and our defensive linemen in the back room, they're not as good as Leo, so they will be getting plowed over or they will be getting blocked up, which will lead the running backs to the second level. Now, I thought Dexter Lawrence was totally isolated from making a play. That could be two things. It could be Dex being silent because there are you know games that he's been silent this year. One of them... Uh, noteworthy, I would probably say against Miami, he was pretty silent. Um, you know, in terms of that also going to another side of being silent, it could be because Leo was doing the dirty work. And Sean and Raheem Nunez-Roches, they were filling Leo's spot. I believe Raheem Nunez-Roches took most of the reps at Leo's spot. And it showed just the way that this defense misses Leo and the way the defense needs some sort of a solid second edge rusher in addition in the same player to somebody who could set the edge. Because Kayvon, there were some times where Kayvon would set the edge on one side, but Josh Jacobs would bounce to the other side and he'd have an open hole. There's also sometimes that Kayvon would not set the edge and would just be totally blocked up, which is kind of where we worry about his inconsistencies as a player, as an overall impact, not a pass rusher. Uh, the fact that the Giants didn't get to the passer at least once is a little disgraceful, but 
Um, Antonio Pierce had his guys ready to play. He had Aiden O'Connell ready to play, all those other different guys. Quick pass game. The Giants played soft after a while. It was just a mess. Um, the entire secondary, except for Pinnock, I would say, got roasted. Um, Adoree Jackson got beat on a couple of plays. Deontay Banks probably had his second worst or worst game. Uh, there was that big pass play downfield. That could have been a touchdown. I forget who was on the receiving end of it. I think it was Jacoby Myers. And, you know, he just he just got beat. He didn't even get fucking hands on the guy. So, um, a bad game for the secondary. I mean, Flop played okay, but I, I was still wouldn't give him, like, the immense amount of credit. But the main takeaways from the defense, man, Micah McFadden, Okereke, and Jason Pinnock came to play. Dexter Lawrence totally isolated from making a play or having an impact, which could be due to his silence or the Leo trade. Uh, Rakeem Nunez-Ochoa's Aishon Robinson filled in Leo's spot. And again, it showed that, you know, the lack of setting edge and the lack, lack of this, that, and the other thing and the holes opening up, um, that just shows you that, you know, Leo, to an extent, is not replaceable when you have uh, Nacho as a backup and Aishon as a backup. And also, it kind of just weirds me out a little bit that you're still having Jordan Riley as this um, healthy scratch because, you know, He's a guy you took this year. If you're acknowledging the season's over, if you want to look at the kids, if you want to trade away Leo, why don't you just give Jordan Riley a look? I mean, let's be completely honest, folks. Uh, Nacho, probably not here next year. Sean, maybe he's here next year. But you're looking at a room with DJ Davidson, Dexter Lawrence, and Jordan Riley. I don't feel comfortable with that room at all. So might as well see what you have in the kids. Um, so, yeah, we got that. Lack of edge setting, Jihad Ward and Boogie Basham, they're role players, and the Giants really haven't found good edge setters, and the entire secondary getting roasted, uh, except for a guy by the name of Jason Pinnock. That's pretty much what I get attested to. So I'm going to go to the snap counts, and then I'll go to the Brian Dable, the Joe Shane outlook, and all that other good stuff uh, while we have it. So... Uh, the offensive snap counts, let's go to that. Andrew Thomas, Justin Pugh, John Michael Schmitz, Ben Bredesen, those guys, uh, they played 100% of snaps. Daniel Bellinger, 86%. Darius Slayton, 81%. Uh, Evan Neal, 79%. 75% for Saquon Barkley, 67% for Tommy DeVito, 59% for Jalen Hyatt, 54% for Wandale Robinson, 49% for Isaiah Hodgins, 41%. For Lawrence Cager, 33% for Daniel Jones, 29% for Matt Breida, 22% for Paris Campbell and Tyree Phillips, and 2% for Sterling Shepard and Deion Jackson. As far as the defensive side of the ball, Okereke and McKinney played 100% of the snaps, 98% Jason Pinnock, 97% Deontay Banks, 85% Kayvon Thibodeau, 80% uh, Micah McFadden, 72% Jahan Ward, 70% Dex Lawrence, Cordell Flott, at 63%, Rakim Yunazoches, 58%, Nick McLeod, uh, 57% total for Aaron, uh, not Aaron Robinson, Ishawn Robinson, 50%, 43% of Dory Jackson, 43% for Boogie Basham, 32% for DJ Davidson, 30% for Dane Belton, and 22% for Isaiah Simmons. So let's talk about the locker room. Let's talk about Brian Dable. The first thing that jumps out to me is Xavier McKinney's comments, which were very, very odd. Let's put it that way. But it's not surprising 
because of you know who it's coming from. So his comments um, about the Giants' locker room, he says this. The Giants' leaders are not being heard. So you contrast that to somebody who was drafted in this same draft class, and his name is Andrew Thomas. His thoughts on the quote? I don't know exactly where he's coming from or where he's feeling that, but me personally, I feel like we do a good job being able to communicate with the staff on anything we need, any frustrations or any questions we have. I feel like they're pretty open. Um, let's put it to you this way, folks. Xavier McKinney is not going to be a giant next year. I don't know specifically as to why he's been so outspoken in so many wrong ways. And he always, he always opens his mouth when it's the worst time. Like, you know, he was pissed off at reporters for asking about his little ATV trip, um, in Mexico last year. And he was pissed about that. Then after week five, when they gave up 500 plus to the Dolphin offense, he goes, yeah, we're not going to blame the defense this time around. Like, I'm sorry, is anyone blaming the defense 110%? No. But you also gave up how many yards to Devon Shane, Raheem Mostert, Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddell, those guys. And then after this game, which is the defense's worst performance since Miami, he comes out and says, you know, uh, I feel like the Giants' leader is not being heard. So, so you think so? You're throwing the shots at the coaching staff. Are you throwing the shots at the other players that are not considered leaders? To me, it just smells that this guy is either frustrated with contract talks or doesn't want to be here. And you know what? I'm I've kind of set myself into that, you know, situation already. Um, that. Hey, listen, the Giants probably going to have to draft a safety or sign one for your free agency because I'm done with Xavier McKinney. His impact, way overrated over the last two years, uh, was a ball hawk in Graham's system but complained about that for some reason. He's just a guy that's not a leader. He, had a, he has a C on his chest but uh, clearly acting like a five-year-old child who doesn't get the toy. I mean, I get it. The Giants team sucks. But trust me, pal, you're a part of it. Talking about tackling in the first part of the year. Yeah, they, no, no, we don't need to put an emphasis on it. Are you fucking shitting me? Like, this this guy is totally nose blind and tone deaf to anything that's going on this season. To anything that's going on this season. And it extends into this, right? What's the locker room status? And here's the thing, too. Now, I'm not going to throw too many shots at this guy because I thought he played well. He's played well. He doesn't open his mouth. Other than on Twitter, Jay Pinnock, he tweeted, I put my heart into this, dot, 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 dot. And it's understandable because, hey, you did put your heart into this, right? You you talked about how, you know, the Giants are better than the Jets and, you know, obviously that, you, you know, they are going to totally regret releasing you and all this other stuff. And I don't have a problem with that. Like, I have a problem with the social media aspect of that. But here's the thing, though. So much shit has gone down this year that this Giants team is mentally weak and Brian Dable needs to save the locker room. And the other portion of that is how much of the team will be here next year. Evan Neal calling fans hamburger and hot dog flippers. I mean, the hell is that? Xavier McKinney calling out the offense, calling out the coaching staff, 
some of these other issues. I mean, it just screams of the locker room being lost. And then what gets me is like, you know, Nacho did this like week one. And Jihad Ward has done it multiple times. They get a run stop and they celebrate. Uh, dude, you're down like 30. You're down, I don't know, 27, 24. And you're celebrating. Get the fuck out of here. No, seriously. I don't. I can't tolerate that shit. You're here. You, you Stop. Stop with the celebrating. Like, you're here only for the money. That That's what it screams to me. You're only here for the money. Oh, the Giants lose one game and every, everything's just gone downward for you. That, okay, I'm in here. I'm going to get my check and get the fuck out. I mean, seriously. That's the, that's the problem I have, like, second-guessing myself and revisionist history is that the Giants have so many of these role players play, playing premium spots, and then they're not even solid locker room pieces like Jihad Ward is. Like, we loved him last year. We did, but we were winning. And Jihad Ward had a career high in sacks at three. So there's that. And, again, goes to the other thing of how many of these guys are going to be here next year? Who do you need to convince that you're a leader? Um, We start with the defensive side. Adoree not going to be here next year. I got a separate conversation about that. Um, Xavier McKinney is not going to be here next year. Nacho, probably not going to be here next year. Ashawn Robinson, probably not going to be here next year. Uh, Isaiah Simmons, he might not be here next year, but he could be on a one-year deal. Who knows? Um, let's see, I cover corner. Boogie Basham, he probably will be here next year. Jihad Ward ain't going to be here next year. That's for shit sure. That's for sure. Um, Bobby McCain, I mean, he probably going to be here next year, but he's mostly a special teamer anyway. So that's the defense. Offensively, who's not going to be here next year? Um, Mark Lewinsky's not. Daniel Jones, he is, but he isn't. Saquon Barkley is a fat question mark. Uh, I believe Darren Waller will be here another year. Um, offensive line, try to think that. I mean, I already said Glowinski, but maybe Tyree Phillips. Um, and I'm also trying to think leaders as well. Wide receivers, Darius Slayton, I don't think he's going to be here next year. No, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Paris Campbell's not going to be here next year. So what they need to think to themselves is this. We need to save the locker room, but who do we care about in the aspect of we care about how they think about us because we're trying to save our jobs, but we're not trying to make everybody like us because some of these guys are not even going to be here next year. And here's then our next point that kind of sinks into that. The Giants, and I said this before, I will say this again, the Giants should have fucking dealt Saquon Barkley at the deadline. Because this, and I t I'll tell you why, folks. I'll tell you why, and I'm going to explain a lot of this in a different video. But the Giants are keeping Saquon Barkley around for one reason. Uh, maybe two reasons. But I think one of them is butts and seats. Saquon Barkley is a star. Biggest Giants star since Odell Beckham Jr. And the Giants need a reason to have their ticket prices at $100 plus a game. $130. It, it's so sick and expensive, it's not funny. And I haven't been, you know, been paying for Giants tickets. I mean, I went to one game, obviously, that was press credentialed. But, um, you know, obviously I went to, you know, the game against Indy last year. And that was worth paying for because the Giants, they got to uh, go to the playoffs. They got to clinch the playoff berth with that game. And that was so fun to be there for. And it's so interesting how things have changed within a matter of nine to ten months. Um, but, like, why didn't you trade some of those guys? Like, Barkley, 
maybe you could make some sort of an understanding for, right? McKinney. Some people are saying, oh, yeah, you know, there was no market for McKinney. Oh, the fucking bullshit. Bullshit. I don't, I don't believe. You could have traded him for a sixth or a seventh to a team that needs a starting safety. Who cares? Honestly, like, trading away a captain. What does it, like, what is the significance of that at this point? The dude's opened his mouth at the worst times saying the most incoherent bullshit. And then Adoree Jackson. I mean, hell, other than a few times against the Raiders, you put Deontay Banks against the number one wide receivers anyway. Are we, like, waiting for comp picks for the following draft? There's a lot of teams that needed a corner. Buffalo got Rasul Douglas. Maybe you could have been on the phone saying, hey, listen, we got Adoree Jackson. We'll give you him for, I don't know, a three, four, or maybe finagle some sort of that package. The Giants need draft assets. They do. They only have seven for next year. Um, that's the one, the two, the two, the three, the four, the five, the six. They don't have a seventh, but at some point you'll probably get scraps for a seventh or whatever the case may be in, in that scenario. But it's just like, why didn't you give off those pieces? I Again, I could understand Barkley to a certain point because he's an emotional, sentimental guy. But McKinney and Adoree, they're not going to be here next year anyway. And also, here's my question. Would things have changed had the deadline been a week later? Because if the Giants got their ass kicked against the Raiders like they did, and the deadline was, let's just say, Tuesday, today, November 7th, I mean, hell, maybe the Giants make a couple of moves. Maybe they say, eh, you know, we, we, we got to trade these guys on second thought. I mean, it just seems to be the way that it is. But the reality of this is, and I'm going to end the show this way. The reality of this is the following. This season was a bust. It all started with 40 to nothing. The Giants mentally could not recover from that. Injuries and bad offensive play, as well as defensive inconsistencies, have crippled them. Leading to a lot of revisionist history. And because Brian Dable was the guy who won Coach of the Year and brought us back to the playoffs for a playoff win, because that happened, he's going to get another year. Joe Shane's going to get another year, as they should, to repair the mess that they've kind of gotten themselves into. Because after all, they did sign Daniel Jones that contract. They did trade for Darren Waller. They did do a couple other things to make this a supposed winning team. They did sort of neglect the O-line in certain facets. So they will be given another year, possibly two, because you don't want to select a rookie quarterback and then boom, you're fired. That, that's what the dysfunctional organizations do. That's what the Giants did with Pat Shermer. And look what happened to that. That didn't work out for nobody. So, like, comment, subscribe, do all the good stuff. Turn on post notifications so you know when the live stream pops or drops. Appreciate you all coming back. Again, a little bit of a different switch up because I'm not going to sit here and, um, you know, say, oh, the Giants did this on defense. Did... The season's fucking over. If you ask me, I've kind of reverted to something I never thought I would. The Giants should lose out the rest of the year, personally. Um, again, if you want to root for wins, root for wins. If you want to root for losses, root for losses. I'm rooting on the Arizona Cardinals to win a couple of games and, uh, you know, the Bears too. The Giants, I don't think they'll win a game the rest of the year. 
This may go down as the worst season in Giants history. I don't know, but we'll talk about it. Peace out, guys. See you later. Stay cool. (laughs) 